0: To sin. That is the beautiful outflow of the gospel. Hey, thanks for joining us here at the church at Suncoast. Take your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. Matthew chapter 18. This is a chapter that began with the question about greatness. Jesus takes a small child in the midst of the crowd and talks about the greatness and reflection of a child. And then the topic turns about forgiveness because that's a part of greatness, to forgive. And in our verse in 21, Jesus is um, is asked a question. Verse 21 says, Then Peter came up and said to him, How often... Will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? Now I want you to close your eyes, and some of you don't like to do that in a crowd. No one's going to poke you in the side. I just want you to close your eyes right now. Everybody's eyes closed. I'm going to ask and really make three statements, and I don't want you to think about these statements. I want you to respond immediately in your mind. Please keep your eyes closed throughout all three statements. Okay, everybody ready? You need to forgive her. You need to forgive him. You need to forgive yourself. Okay, open your eyes. Without thinking, did someone come to your mind? Or did something come to your mind? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because in the course of life, we have... (laughs) In the course of a day, we have multiple opportunities to practice forgiveness. Now, let me say a couple things about forgiveness before we get into the text. Forgiveness does not mean by the way, you can forgive someone from a distance if you, if they don't know you offended them, they don't know they offended you. It doesn't mean to call someone up and I never forget a church service I was in years ago. There was an altar call and I was felt no need to go to the altar, so there I was along the side on the pew, and some guy tapped me on the shoulder on the way back from the altar. And he said to me this, he said, you know, you offended me a long time ago, and I've been bitter and angry about you, and I forgave you today. I put my head back down. I don't know what I ever did or said to the guy. Now I'm angry. Now I got to go down to the altar. So there's no need if someone doesn't, you know, to make a phone call, but you know if they're living in your head, you know if they're renting a flat up on there somewhere, right? Neither does forgiveness mean that you usher people back into your life that have been very destructive to you. No need to let the fox back into the hen house. Sometimes forgiveness, forgiveness is always a freeing thing. That doesn't mean you allow people who have taken advantage or hurt you to let them back in to hurt you again. So I'm going to say those two things before we get into the text. So look down to verse 21. Peter didn't really ask a question. He wanted a pat on the back, and he desperately needed it. You remember Peter from a few weeks ago, Get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, That's a discouraging moment among the other disciples. Amen? And he had a couple bad moments here and there, and he needed to be in his mind restored as one of the leaders of the group. So he comes to Jesus in verse 21. And he's asking a question that really wasn't a question. Lord, how often will I forgive my brother? Now notice it's a brother that he's asking about. Because those are the people that can hurt you the deepest. Your brothers. Those closest to you can hurt you the deepest. Family members. Cousin. Somebody cuts you off on the highway. You'll be mad for a couple hours. Maybe a day. But after a day or two, you don't even remember them. But if someone close to you that you love hurt you that can cause a schism for a lifetime so that's why he says a brother so if my brother comes to me and sinned against me how often do i forgive him then he throws out a number and there's a reason he throws out a number the the average not the average but the the rabbinical teaching of the day and this is seen in all their documents is that you forgave a man twice rabbis taught this and the third time he came he's done no more forgiveness. You're out. So Jesus doubles it, triples it, and, and adds one for good measure. And as he looks around at the other apostles, he pauses and said, seven times? We were in Boston years ago with the family, and we were walking the back, back streets of the Italian section of Boston. And I'll never forget, two guys came out down the way, and I heard this, Vinny. You're the best. You're the greatest, Vinny. I thought, this is good. This is Italian time in Boston. Peter wanted, Peter, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best, Peter. That's what he wanted from Jesus. He didn't get it. Notice, Jesus answered and said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Would you believe 490? Now, why that number? Well, I think I think I think once you begin, this is the same person. This isn't like a group of people that you get to count this number up. If you begin to forgive and you get up to 15 and 20 and 50, you probably never get to 490 without learning the freeing the freeing exercise of letting things go in your life. I think that's one reason the number is so high. But Peter still has that blank look on his face. You women know what it looks like. Just look into the face of your husband when you're trying to get him to understand something. Peter's got that blank look. So Jesus needs to tell him a story. Look at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. First thing I want you to notice is, this is a king who wants his money, and the king doesn't need any money. If you're a king, you have riches untold, do you not? This wasn't a creditor, this wasn't Chase Manhattan, this wasn't the the guy on the phone, not that any of you get those calls, that just wants the bills paid. This is a, a king with incalculable riches. He doesn't need this man's money. You catching this? Now, I know you're not supposed to make too many details of a parable or story, but I can't resist mentioning that this king with unlimited resources only wanted his servant to be free from the debt. He wasn't thinking about his coffers. He was thinking about the man himself and his need to be free of that debt. God doesn't need any of us. In his holiness, in his riches, in his his presence, he desires us, and he desires to forgive. That's right, Steve. Praise the Lord. He wants us to be set free, not for for the accounts to be settled. So this king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Well, it means nothing to us, but let me tell you, a talent is a monetary amount that would take you 20 years to earn one talent. In a lifetime, if you live 60 years, you could earn three talents. This man owed, what did it say? 10,000 talents. Now, a couple things. It's more than anybody could ever repay in a thousand lifetimes. I want to know how he got in debt that much. How much can you buy for $10,000? How did he get in that much debt? Again, I cannot resist. from, (laughs) And you're not supposed to do this. In a parable, it really kills. But I can't resist telling you the details of that. This man must have inherited that debt. Thank you, grandpa and grandpa's grandpa and all the ones that came before me. Thank you for loading this debt upon me. We have inherited the debt of the sin of Adam. We weren't there. We didn't choose, but we got the brunt of it, did we not? Do you know no one is born innocent? You look at a little child, a little baby. Oh, they're so innocent. Oh, they're not so innocent. They have only Adam and Eve were innocent. They have a little sin nature in them. Soon they learn to cry to get what they want. And when they grow up, we continue to cry for what we want, do we not? But God in his mercy takes the responsibility of the sin of Adam on the cross of Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm under that debt. And I could be made free from that debt that I inherited from my great forefather. Again, don't do this in parables. I can't resist though. Look down at verse 25. And since he, that's an understatement, could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Preacher just said the king didn't want any money. Preacher said the, the king had inexhaustible riches. Now they take the man, they take his wife, and take his children. Is that for payment to be made of everything the man's got? I stand by my original statement. He didn't want those things. This is what, are you you ready? This is what he wanted. He wanted the man's attention. That's all he wants. He wants humanity's attention. Years ago, I counseled a young lady with her parents in in the church office. And she had done some, she had reached out and struck her mother, physically sw- took a swing and struck her mother. And I wasn't getting anywhere with this young teenage girl. Wasn't getting anywhere. She, she's just wandering off, just looking all over the place. And so I had talked to the parents about what I was going to do, so this wasn't a shock to them. I looked at her and I said, Well, I tell you what, she admitted to hitting her mother. I said, I tell you what, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to call the police. You're going, they're going to come down, you're going to be arrested for assault. For the very first time in the last 30, 30 minutes, all of a sudden I got her attention. She looked up at me, her eyes got big, and she was focused. And yes, the police did come that night, and she was arrested for assault. We got her attention. All the teachers are going back to school, all the teachers are. Every good teacher will tell you until you have the focus and the attention of the students, You have nothing, can't teach him a thing. Caleb tells his class, especially the young ladies, leave your drama with your mama. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) You come to this classroom, leave your drama with your mama. I'm not your mother. Have I got your attention? All this man, all this king wanted was the attention of the man. Look at the debt you're in. That's all he wants from lost sinners. Wake up. The gospel is given in Romans, and it says this, that all the world will shut up. Well, King James says that every mouth will be stopped, but that's exactly what it is. Everybody quit making excuses for themselves that the whole world might become guilty before God. That's all, that's all the king wanted. All right, let's move on. Story thickens. I love this verse 26. So the servant fell On his knees, I see, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. (laughs) Another foolish statement. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him. Uh, By the way, that's the definition of forgiveness, to be released. You haven't forgiven someone until you have released them of the debt they owe you. Like my father-in-law used to say, bury the hatchet, don't leave the handle sticking up. To release someone is true forgiveness. There's no debt to be paid. You don't owe me anything. I never bring it up again. That's forgiveness. He released him, forgave him the debt. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, mark what he did, he found one of his friends fellow servants, an equal to him who owed him a hundred denarii. It's a Greek reference to a monetary amount. Uh, it would take, well, let's see here. It would take, how much did he owe him? A hundred, a denarii was what you got for one day's labor. You work today for a man, you got one denarii. So it would take a little over three months to pay this very, An amount that is very manageable. And notice what he did. Seizing him, he began to choke him. I think the King James is he grabbed him by the throat. And this is what he said. You pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Does this sound familiar? Have patience with me, I will pay you. Verse 30. He refused and went and put him in the prison until he should pay the debt. That's a grateful servant, is it not? Forgiven by a king, an amount he never could repay, immediately goes out from his presence, finds someone who owes him something and demands immediate repayment. No mercy, cold to the heart, calculating, justified in his own mind for what he had just done. But people saw this, verse 31, When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, (laughs) they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master, to that king, all that had taken place. Verse 32, here's the climax of the story. But then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. You begged me to forgive. I grabbed your attention. You asked for forgiveness. I had pity on you. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Now, before we read verse 34, let me me tell you how I used to teach this because it's completely different to how I believe this passage is going. This is what I used to say. Christian, God has forgiven you of sin. Past, present, and future. The sins that the Lord has forgiven you, you could have never repaid. You are clean and free from God. Therefore, based on that, you ought to have the gratitude. You ought to be thankful enough to go out and forgive somebody some little thing that they did to you. I've come to realize that that doesn't work. That's based on law. That's based on me. Those of you who have little kids, you do a thousand things that they never can understand. And aren't they the most ingratitude little monkeys that you could ever imagine? They ought to be thankful they have a house over their head. And they ought to be thankful they have food on the table. They ought to be thankful they get a toy once a year. And yet all they got to do is complain, complain, complain. They're little ingratitude yard apes is what they are. Right? Right? The more you do for them, the less they appreciate it. All right, we're getting somewhere now. We ought to do less, right, Sid? We ought to just strip them of everything and give them a toothpick once a week. Which they wouldn't need because there's nothing to pick out of their teeth. Watch this. We're just the same way. The more the Lord does for us, the less we appreciate it. So that doesn't work. Let's just be honest. That's not what he's teaching there. What he's teaching there is that when we focus on how free we are, having been forgiven, completely forgiven, our focus is no longer on ourselves and how someone's hurt us. It isn't measuring the amount one to another and go, yeah, yeah, you did so much for me. I'll do this for you, and I forgive you over there. When I see how free I am, when I understand how incredibly forgiven and loved and treasured, I'm not even hardly thinking about the offense against me because I want you to experience the freedom that I'm experiencing. I don't send you to prison because I got out of prison and I hated it. Do you see the difference in that? Look at the response of the king in verse 34. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. And by the way, when he showed up in jail, I have to believe he shared a cell with the same guy. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing here? Oh, we're going to be cellmates? The only difference is, I'm going to be here for a couple months. I'll get out. You're going to be here forever because your debt's never... But anyway, that's just an interesting insight. Notice, until he should pay all the debt. Now, unless you think this is academic, unless you think this is, oh, there's no... Look at the last verse. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not, Forgive your brother, notice, from your heart. So what's the Heavenly Father do? Puts us in prison. That's what he does. That's what the scripture says. We who are free because the Spirit of God lives in us, and where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. If we don't grasp the forgiveness, and we are this brutal with one another, then the freedom that he gives us is lived out in the prison cell. That was never meant for us, of anger and bitterness. I, I asked when we started this for you to close your eyes. Who 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 popped up? What popped up? Three things. We have all been violated to the point of fury. Do we have it up there or not? Yes. Yes. We have all been violated to the point of being furious, have we not? Let's just acknowledge it. Okay? That 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 servant grabbed the other one by the throat haven't you ever i know you're all christians and you love jesus and all that and i know we're in church but haven't you ever wanted to grab somebody by the throat and jack them up i i cooked with an irish guy uh kelly was his name red-haired irishman and you know what they say about irishmen they have tempers and uh i was not in the, in the galley where I was cooking, I was not cleaning as I go. That's a rule that I, you know, cleaning as I, I was making mess after mess. And Kelly told me about it a dozen times. You know, he said, uh, clean as you go, clean as you go, clean as you go. All of a sudden, one day, man, I was, we could, uh, the wall in a ship's called a, what do they call that, a bull, bullhead, bulkhead, bulkhead, No, bullhead, that's something different. All right, bulkhead. So I was leaning, I was leaning up, all of a sudden, I felt a body rush, and and an arm come around my neck and pin my face against that bulkhead. And it was Kelly, and he said this, I told you to clean as you go. And I said, I'll do it, I'll do it. To this day, Karen and I are in the kitchen cooking together. And I'm watching behind her. Now, I'm not going to pin her against the wall and do that. I learned that day you clean it. I never forgot that. Haven't you felt like that with some people? You tell them it, and, and you finally you just choke them to death. But I got to lead to the next principle because without it, it's unforgiveness. You share a prison cell with the person that you don't forgive. Okay, You got them by the neck. They have you by the neck, okay? Forgiveness, unforgiveness shares in that bondage. But when we forgive, we both get set free. And number three, forgiveness is the only hope for restoration and restitution. Forgiveness is our only hope to mend relationships. And relationships are the stuff life is made out of, really is. The quality of our lives and the joy that we share is directly related to our interpersonal relationships. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pause. And I pray for anyone here today who doesn't know Christ, that hasn't been forgiven by the King, that they would cry out to the Lord to save them today. Lord, I pray for the rest of us in that image that perhaps we saw in our mind of him or her or the it that we've never forgiven ourselves. Not that we might muster up the energy and strength to forgive. It doesn't, Lord, we know it doesn't work like that. But that your life in us, the freedom and joy we have in Jesus Christ, and through the power of that life in us, we might set that person free by releasing them of the debt of pain they've inflicted on us. Lord, we'll never be free from, the, from that particular prison until we do. I pray for that today for every one of us. There's not a one of us, Lord, that doesn't experience pain and offense of others. And we all need this truth about forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Church at Suncoast. We pray that the message was a blessing to you. If we can be of any help, don't hesitate to contact the church on our Facebook page or at suncoastjacks.org. If you are in the listening area, we'd love to have you attend any of our services. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time.